Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is a pre-recorded program presented by KSL News Radio and Intermountain Healthcare. Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. We discuss the important community issues of stronger mental health, emotional wellness, and the growing problem of addiction. Here's our host, Maria Chaleos, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Thank you for joining us for Healthy Mind Matters. Today we are talking about opioid-free surgeries. And with me, Dr. Will Shakespeare, he is Intermountain Medical Center's, excuse me, he is Intermountain's Medical Director of Surgical Operations and Director of Anesthesiology, and Bill Evans, who is an opioid-free surgery patient. Thanks for being here today. Good morning. Thanks, Maria. Thank you for having us. Dr. Shakespeare, start out and tell us, we know we are so worried about addiction these days and the danger of opioids. Describe for us this effort to do opioid-free surgeries. How do we do that? How do we have surgery without painkillers? So great question, Maria, and thank you for having us on to discuss this issue. So uh, we have for uh, for decades been relying on opioids after surgery, and uh, especially in the United States, there has been a, a rapid swell in this, uh, especially since the 90s. Uh, we know that uh, Americans make up uh, 4.4% of the world's population, and we use 80% of the world's opioids. Uh, and we have grossly uh, overutilized opioids in the post-operative setting, and that's led to all kinds of uh, troubles that we're now facing. So a big study uh, from uh, a group out of Michigan has shown that uh, after a minor or a major surgery, the number of patients who go on to have persistent new opioid use is about 6 to 20% of patients. And so uh, in many ways, as Dr. Mike Anglesby uh, from Michigan pointed out to us, that's, that's perhaps our largest surgical complication is patients who are still filling opioid prescriptions three months after having uh, a surgical experience and uh, after the healing has has taken place. So our goal with this effort is to decrease the uh, the uh, opioid requirement after surgery through various techniques that we use in surgery, as well as to surface the uh, concern of uh, overprescription and encourage patients to, uh, to take an opioid-free approach to their surgical experiences. Bill, you've had an opioid-free surgery. Describe for us what your concerns were and why you decided to take that Well, I'm a recovering addict myself, and I relied on opioids through every surgery I've ever had, but this one is because I don't want to go back to um, using the opioids and going back to the addiction process of what what I've just gone through to get sober and clean and to stay clean because when I get through, when you get these opioids and you're already an addict, you resort back to other things, and that's something I just did not want to do. I don't want to go back to being that person. 
And if I could make a comment on that, I, I number one, very much appreciate uh, Bill's courage in coming to, to share his story here. Uh, when Bill and I met uh, uh, about nine days ago for, for his surgery, and he expressed to me his interest in, in going opioid-free, uh, I was... Uh, number one, surprised and impressed uh, because we have few people come in asking for that. Uh, interestingly, most of the people who come asking for those are healthcare professionals, people who are on the inside and and know what the ravages of opioids are, uh, and uh, come saying, "I think I can get through this without uh, using opioid pain medications." But have Bill come? Normally, the people that we have uh, come uh, with interest in opioid-free surgery are people uh, like Bill who have uh, recovered and are interested in being. Free from this, uh, or number two, uh, those who have such dysphoric bad experiences with opioids, either from nausea or from rashes or from urinary retention or constipation, all the the side effects that come from opioids that they say, isn't there a way that we could do this without requiring pain medicine? What I'm most impressed about is the conversation between doctor and patient about anesthesia and the not using opioids. So talk about that. Talk about this conversation that you're having with your patients now that you probably didn't have in the past. So every time we see this work well, it is uh, patient-driven. And that's what we're seeing above and beyond uh, uh, all other factors, that if there's not a motivated uh, patient like Bill, then there really uh, can't be uh, a success with this. Uh, and if there is, there's really uh, a, a vast majority of surgeries. And uh, let me not overstate that. So uh, about 50% of, of surgeries uh, roughly are amenable to an opioid-free uh, approach. Uh, but that really does uh, depend on on buy-in. So to tell you a story about a uh, patient that my uh, colleague, Dr. Uh, Austin Schwab, cared for uh, about uh, a month ago, it was a 17-year-old young man who was coming on, uh, into uh, to the hospital to have uh, surgery that's similar to a, an ACL reconstruction, uh, a knee surgery. Uh, very painful surgery. And uh, this young man, as he was coming in for surgery, he and his father talked about the the risk of uh, getting, uh, you know, quote, hooked on, on painkillers. And uh, so in the preoperative area, they asked Dr. Schwab, the anesthesiologist, uh, what, what are my options here? And uh, Dr. Schwab, uh, because we have been in the middle of this movement for opioid-free surgery, said, you've come to the right place. We actually have a pathway for that. And described to him that not only could we uh, minimize opioids, but we could eliminate opioids from his care. Uh, and uh, he performed a nerve block, uh, similar to what you have at the dentist, where they numb up your, your mouth before they work on your teeth. Uh, he had a nerve block uh, that uh, took care of the, the pain over the, the front uh, portion of his knee and then received a series of uh, non-addictive, uh, non-opioid pain, pain medications. That 17-year-old young man, uh, at a very pivotal time of his life, had a completely opioid-free surgery because of this this premeditated conversation with his father uh, and uh, went home and required only Tylenol and ibuprofen uh, after his surgery. Uh, I called to check in on uh, him uh, last week, and, and the report was that uh, uh, he felt so well that he went out and played with his friends and uh, got his knee uh, angry and had to come home and put it up and put ice on it. Uh, but all of that... 
worked because of a, a premeditated conversation in which this risk was recon, recognized, and then a dialogue happened between the healthcare team and the uh, and the patient. Bill, I have to ask you: You've already had your surgery, opioid free. Yes. And how did that go? What was your pain level like? Do you know what? It was not as bad as I thought it would be because the thought thought before was, man, I'm going to be in so much pain. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, and so it's like, it was great. You know, I, my healing was so much faster than any other surgery I had before because I didn't have to depend on something to to kill my pain. My body naturally did it itself. So it was not that bad. It was actually, I'd recommend it to anybody. If anybody really wants to go opioid free and do it, I would, I would say do it because the healing is so much faster for your body, you know, and I was up moving within days of the surgery, going out with my friends, you know, going out to eat, you know, being able to spend time with my family, you know, and so it's like, I wouldn't have, wasn't having to seclude myself in my room and worry about pain because it wasn't that bad. Let me comment on that, that this is really a, a paradigm shift in medicine. And I uh, maybe, uh, Maria, you have uh, grandmothers like, uh, like I do who uh, back in the day were advised you have a baby and now we're going to have you on bed rest for three weeks. Uh, uh, that increasingly, uh, as a medical community, we are becoming aware that that return to activity, prompt return to activity, is the, uh, the best way uh, to, to promote healing. There's some interesting uh, biochemical background behind that. If uh, any of you have uh, uh, ever uh, you know, uh, sc- uh, scuffed your knee, for instance, uh, one of the natural responses that we have to uh, an injury is to rub the area. Uh, and uh, it turns out that we're doing something that makes a lot of sense, the pain signal. And so basically your, your body can only send one signal uh, to, the, uh, to the brain, and either it will said, send the pain signal or else it will send the, the rubbing uh, tactile uh, uh, signal. So uh, when uh, you have had surgery and are sitting uh, in uh, a hospital bed or on a couch, uh, your body has a wide open opportunity to send that pain signal and that pain signal only. Whereas, uh, as as Bill described, being up and around uh, the activity, appropriate activity, uh, really does uh, diminish your pain uh, by this uh, gate-controlled theory of uh, pain management. So, so not only are you protected from taking an op- opioid where you can become addicted, but you're also promoting healing. Yes. It makes me wonder why we didn't do this earlier before this opioid crisis. So it's it's a fantastic question. It's it's interesting how we get sucked into uh, rabbit holes and paradigms uh, in general, be that fast food or be that, uh, you know, uh, uh, over video gaming our children or, or whatever that uh, that uh, we we go to a, a coping strategy and then over uh, overemphasize it. Uh, an interesting uh, conversation I had recently is in presenting this idea to colleagues, uh, hearing from a European colleague uh, that said, yeah, this is how we practice medicine forever in Europe. It's just I came to America and adopted the American way of doing it. Again, 4.4% of the population, 80% of the opioids. It's just uh, it's the fast food version of uh, pain control. It's, uh, it's, it's excellent. You take an opioid and the pain goes away. And it also uh, affects the ventral tegmental area and causes addiction and it causes uh, 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 respiratory suppression and all these other bad things. But because it's so easy, uh, it's, it's what we go to first. 
We need to take a break. When we come why, today on Healthy Mind Matters, we are talking about opioid-free surgeries, and we'll have much more when we come back on KSL News Radio.